from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The need is there. The space, the classified space itself, Sarah, is already sold out. Is there's, that there's right? There's a waiting list of over 50 companies to get in there. This is a team sport, and, and the, the work far outpaces the number of people who are trained, educated, and ready to take these jobs. So it's going to be, everyone has to be in, right? We, we had him in there about two months ago, and it was kind of just an open space. Uh, and we toured him in there today. It's, it's now classified space, uh, and the progress um, you know, has been eye-watering. I'm Sarah Fenske. Just two hours ago, a first-of-its-kind facility broke ground in St. Louis. It's categorized as a, quote, sensitive, compartmented information facility, better known as a SCIF. The 75,000-square-foot space will be embedded within the Globe Building downtown. And unlike most other SCIFs around the U.S., it's not the property of a large government contractor or government agency. That makes it a game-changer for smaller companies doing sensitive work. And joining us now with more about this project is Keith Massback. He is the principal consultant at Plum Run LLC. That's a service-disabled, veteran-owned management consulting company in the national security sector. Keith is also the former chief executive officer of the United States Geospatial Intelligence Foundation. So, Keith, welcome. Hey, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So, SCIF, I imagine this is a term that is old hat to people working in certain spheres. For those of us who aren't, what exactly is a SCIF? Well, as you could imagine, uh, when you're doing classified work, uh, you need to be able to protect it. And that's from all sorts of threats. So it's not just about locking the door or the windows at night, right? Uh, it's about electronic threats. It's about electronic emissions. So you want to make sure that nothing that's going on inside that skiff can get out. And uh, as well, you, you don't want to be able to have the opportunity for any adversary to be able to penetrate from the outside in. In a, to learn in an attempt to learn what you're doing inside. So I'm picturing here like a literal bunker. Is that what a skiff is? So in, you know, in you're not so wrong, really. In the Cold War era, the skiff, uh, you know, sort of um, standards would suggest there were no windows. Uh, it was very bunker-like. Uh, they would have uh, labyrinthine uh, entrances and exits to make sure that no radio signals could you know get in or out. Uh, but over time, uh, and with the addition of technology, you can really change uh, and have it be a more hospitable working environment. And so this is in the Globe Building, uh, which people may be familiar with. This will have windows? Yeah, it actually will. So they're just beautiful, you know, historic building that was built to be a railroad terminal originally. So very uh, appropriate for a, a high security facility. They've had data centers in there over time. Those are obviously things that people are interested in keeping protected. So yes, the the um, lots of energy went into preserving the historic look of the building and the windows. Uh, and there, are, again, are technologies that allow us to do that today. So I mentioned that this is sort of unusual in who it's going to be open to. I understand there are companies. There's there's government contractors. They have their own skiffs. That's something that's been going on for a while now. This represents what may be kind of a new trend. Well, yeah, and, and we've had policies in place for a long time that will sound somewhat counterintuitive, right? So I'll simplify it. Uh, it's obviously a little a little more complicated, but. 
uh, for some time, if you wanted to have a government contract, you had to demonstrate that you had access to a SCIF, the ability to do classified work. Well, in order to have access to a SCIF, you had to have a government contract. Now, if you can figure out your way out of that loop, right? Yeah, that's uh, so. <laughs> I feel my brain stopping right there. Right. And, and well, it also stopped innovation in some ways. And what that meant was small companies didn't have the wherewithal to arrange to build such a facility, didn't have the resources to do it. So how did you get innovative new companies into the national security uh, arena uh, you know, they would have to find larger companies perhaps to sponsor them or create, you know, there were workarounds. Mm-hmm. But now uh, uh, with two buildings in, in the Northern Virginia area and now this one, the first one outside of the National Capital Region, as you s- shared, uh, it's open. You can just buy one seat if you want, right? So if you are a small company that just wants to get started, you can just get in there with, with one, one seat, one computer. Doesn't that in some ways defeat the purpose? If I'm able to get the, in there with my one seat, uh, couldn't I be the person who, uh, you know, destroys the security of what's being built? Well, you're not getting in there unless you have the appropriate security clearance, right? So you will have had a background check. You will have been brought to the appropriate level to get to the space. This space actually will have level uh, uh, areas at different security levels. And they are segregated from one another. And there's a very clear process for people getting in, working, and getting out. And so uh, the networks are separated and the entrances and exits are separated and the conference rooms are separated. So there, is, there are very clear procedures to how to handle all that. They have thought through this question, it seems clear. So you're a strategic consultant for Westway, which is behind this skiff. Um, why did Westway decide to bring this to St. Louis of all cities? Well, you know, Westway's been operating for a, a little over a decade in Northern Virginia, and that's look, that's spy central. Yeah. Right? That's where a lot of classified work is done. Uh, with the uh, addition of uh, of geospatial intelligence work here, it's been going on for a long time in St. Louis. But the entire community is rallying around, trying to open up and create St. Louis now across industry and uh, the academic institutions and the government as a geospatial intelligence hub for the nation, I would argue it'll ultimately be for the world. So it only made sense to bring a facility like this to enable that to kind of take the next step. And so 75,000 square feet, um, this uh, Westway, they feel pretty confident there's going to be a lot of smaller companies getting in on this. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the thing that's remarkable about that facility, 75,000 square feet is one floor. Uh, and uh, it's been remarkable progress. Things are really moving quickly. Senator Blunt, we, we had him in there about two months ago, and it was kind of just an open space, uh, and we toured him in there today. It's, it's now classified space. Uh, and the progress, um, you know, has been eye-watering. So when we talk about uh, the groundbreaking this morning, this is one of those ceremonial groundbreaking. There has been some work going on. This thing is moving forward. Absolutely. The need is there. The space, the classified space itself, Sarah, is already sold out. Is that right? There's a waiting list of over 50 companies to get in there. So the demand, uh, back to your previous question, is quite clear. And I would imagine there'll be additional facilities here in St. Louis. So this might all be classified. This is the problem with this topic that we have. I might be bumping right up against what you're allowed to say. But but what companies do you see using this facility or, or being interested in getting in on this? Well, it's a broad range of companies, right? The things that make up geospatial intelligence are remote sensing. Right? We're seeing it on the news every night right now. Uh, you often see imagery from Maxar 
for instance. That company is in that building already mm-hmm. in unclassified space. There's a company from Sweden that has its U.S. headquarters here, T. Carter, and, and they do geospatial mapping type work. So uh, there'll be data analytics firms. There'll be data visualization firms. There'll be companies working on 3D fly-throughs and that sort of thing. So it, it's it's a growing field, not just in national security, but across every sector of the economy. And this is all happening in downtown St. Louis. It absolutely is. It certainly started down by the river, right, at the NGA facility. And that's what uh, has inspired this growth here, uh, the civic um, gathering around this idea, just like they did about bio, life, plant sciences, you know, a decade or so ago. That's all happening here, and it's incredibly exciting. And this idea that this is already sold out, I mean, will there be other, uh, you know, companies like Westway trying to get in on this space saying, hey, we've got our own skiff. This is going to be right down the street. So this is this is such a difficult proposition. Uh, the policies have not been in place for a long time. There's really just been some congressional language in no small part to Senator Blunt over the last few years encouraging the community to create this, right? And covid um, and, and people being able to do classified, uh, unclassified work from home and then maybe being able to go to a quote-unquote neighborhood skiff to do classified work has really um, encouraged the community to rethink how, how they approach this. Hmm, so this is perfect timing. Absolutely. So there's all sorts of like um, classified important stuff that's going to be going on in the site. Is there a concern that this could become a target? Um, that that's that's part of the deal, right? Physical security. You talked earlier about earlier about per, what we would call personnel security. Yeah. Um, that's what is your security clearance level? What's your background? How are you monitored over time? Um, physical security is about securing the physical plant of the building, and then there's of course electronics and emissions security that I talked about previously. So there is a an integrated security plan for any skiff, and this will take into account the the area. The, the surrounding um, you know businesses, anything that's going on, anything that looks out of the ordinary, you know, we'll, we'll, they'll take a look at it. So if I'm walking by this building and I'm engaged in questionable activity, this might not be the best block for that. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 there is by its nature the need to understand, characterize, and understand what normal is outside, yeah. inside, and around the facility and to, to see when something abnormal happens. Okay. So this is really exciting, and I have to say, it feels like in the last couple of years, learning about this geospatial industry, as you say, this has kind of always been here, but it seems like something St. Louis just wasn't talking about so much, and now it seems to be on everyone's lips. Well, it's, it, a lot of it, Sarah, was in the national security realm, right? Yeah. Satellites were the provenance of large countries, and they were super secret spy satellites, and the Russians had them, and, and the United States had them, and not, few many, uh, not too many other people. Now the number of commercial imaging satellites dwarfs that of uh, nation states, right? So it's all out in the open. I mean, let's look at how all of this technology has changed our lives. Uber is a location company. They don't own a car, right? Um, uh, So think about how FedEx and UPS have been enabled by precision location. Think about, uh, again, we talk about smart cities or autonomous vehicles. It's all the same technologies that used to be squirreled away in the national security space have, have blossomed 
across all these other sectors. So it seems like St. Louis is really nicely positioned right now for this thing that, as you say, is blossoming. At the same time, there's always some doom and gloom in St. Louis. Does the city have a future? All these big questions. Do you feel like this could be something that could be, you know, our St. Louis 3.0 that we need to be uh, materializing and making this happen? This is it. Absolutely. And, and, and something that I mentioned in my remarks at the groundbreaking, Sarah, that I'd like to say here is yeah. th- this is a team sport. And, and the, the work far outpaces the number of people who are trained, educated, and ready to take these jobs. So it's going to be – everyone has to be in, right? And whether that's getting a certificate of training or going to a community college or going to Harris-Stowe or going um, you know, to UMSL or going to, to Wash U uh, or SLU, all of these people have to be involved. And there's been a, there has been a problem in our community of not having – uh, it be truly representative mm-hmm. of, of our communities and our nation. And so this is that opportunity. It sits here right now. How do we take those underrepresented populations and allow them the opportunity uh, for the training and education and professional development to participate in this amazing opportunity? So from talking to leaders of these universities, from Dr. Pastello over at, at St. Louis University, talking to the president of, of Harris-Stowe University, people are really saying the right things this time. It seems like people are so mindful of that. Do you get the sense this isn't just window dressing, that people are all in on, on making these jobs available to a broad swath of St. Louisans? Look, Sarah, it, it's, um, there's a literacy about this now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all the people you just mentioned talk about geospatial intelligence at a level of sophistication uh, that that most people outside of St. Louis have never heard of. So it is happening. The civic, um, the coming together of civic organizations, the recognition of the opportunity, uh, it's here. It's right in front of this city to be had. Uh, And and to be sure, there have been fits and starts and disappointments in the past. I, I understand that as I uh, as I say, I'm a New Yorker who's been wonderfully accepted here as a as a sort of honorary St. Louisan. Uh, the the opportunities here, and and uh, it, it's really up to all of us collectively, even the ability to tell this story today, um, to advance the cause. Well, you've injected a real note of hope here, um, and it sounds like you're feeling bullish not just about geospatial uh, that industry, but also about St. Louis. Absolutely, and and you know, look, not to get sort of over the top here. Um, uh, But it's not just St. Louis. It's the state. It's the region. There is plenty of opportunity. The United States uh, Geological Survey is in Rolla. The Army engineers are at Fort Leonard Wood, right? So there is this geospatial connectivity that already exists uh, and, and is the launch pad for what really promises to be an exciting future. Well, Keith Masbach, it's been so great to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.